Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monogamish Pod. Before we dive into this week's episode, I want to talk to you about Poly Dallas Millennium 2020, which is taking place November 6th through the 8th online. The theme for this year's event is Open to Love, the virtual experience, and we definitely can't wait to have you there. I will actually be hosting the opening night ceremonies with Pages Matam, who is an international poet, writer, and kink enthusiast. You may also know Mr. Wolfgang. We definitely cannot wait to see you there and to have you experience everything that PDM has to offer. We have some amazing speakers, such as Polyamorous Black Girl, King Noir and Jet Setting Jasmine, and Marla Stewart. You might know her from putting on a little tiny convention called Sex Down South. Now, I know you guys want to be there and you don't want to miss out, so I need you to sign up for the event immediately. Just sign up. We will drop the link in our bio and the show notes. Isn't that simple? We can't wait to see you guys there. Now, listen to the episode. Back again for a lovely Kinktober episode. Last week, we did a little intro to kink, so to speak. And so for this week's episode, we have an amazing interview with Zach Budd and Intimacy. You might recognize them. They're two of our previous guests. Zach is what Zach's third time on the podcast, Intimacy's second. Yeah, they're old friends of ours at this point. Yeah, like we're besties. (laughs) So we're very excited for this conversation. We're just going to dive right into it. But before then, we want to talk to you about altplayground.net. So altplayground is making it even easier to customize your personal experience on their website with their newest feature, the news feed. This allows you to keep up to date with your lifestyle contacts, to see new new events are announced, and view the uh, naughtiest pictures all in one convenient place. And, you know, you can check out all of the features at allplayground.net today. That's right. You absolutely can. Um, I'm excited for the newsfeed feature. I think it's going to do amazing things for keeping people connected. And also, like you said, customizing your experience so you can see exactly what you want to see from who you want to see it from. But while you guys are, you know, setting up your Alt Playground profiles, let's dive into this. I'm Jen. I'm Sham. I'm Sham. And we're we're monogamous. I don't know what that was. It was all over the place. And so today we have some repeat guests on Monogamish Pod. You know, we, there's some guests that we love them so much. We have to bring them back twice or thrice or, you know, <laughs> as many times as, as we need. So today, Sham and I have probably heard like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. I don't know. Some time ago on the pod talking about. I've heard consent. it more recently. Yeah. You, you know, he's on before that also. We had an episode of Polykink 101. Z marks the spot. Yes, I came up with that name. I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach is here. And we also have Intimacy here. You might remember Intimacy from our Asexual and Polyamorous episode. That was episode five of season two. My brain is vaguely working tonight. So usually I'm, I got this. I got this. So welcome back to the Monogamish show here. Thank you so much for being here, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm blessed. Appreciative to be back again. I look forward to the fun we have. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we have tons of fun. Every time Intimacy and Zach are together with Sham and I, it's it's always a good time. So I am <laughs> super pumped. So we're continuing our Kinktober conversation. You know, last week we talked a bit about what the internet says kink is. You know, we went to kinkly.com. We went to Cosmo. We went to the Huffington Post. We went through oh, a bunch wow. of articles and talked about their definition of what kink was and the things that are considered kink and fetish and wow it was it was a lot so just to cover what the definition that we were working with last week was so that you know intimacy and zach are in on the thing they said that kink is an umbrella term used to describe a wide range of sexual activities that are considered to be unconventional or unorthodox and that while all fetishes are kinks not all kinks are fetishes so as the kink experts here, Intimacy and Zach, do you think that we are on the right track? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a fairly decent definition. Um, I could blow your mind by telling you that not everybody involved in kink would tell you it's sexual, necessarily. Um, but because it, al- it isn't always. In some cases, it's not. For some people, it's just an activity, like playing tennis, dominoes, spades, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I think for the most part, as a general intro to uh, definition and considering the, you know, truly, truly um, reputable sources we've gone to being both the Huffington Post and Cosmo, it's not a bad definition. It's not, it's not that bad. It's pretty decent. All right. Intimacy, what are you thinking? I agree with Zach and would like to just piggyback off of what he said about I would personally either take out sexual or make sexual just one of the options because there are many more people who participate in kinky like and fetishes that aren't necessarily related to sex for them at all but they do provide a certain level of pleasure that could leave them feeling aroused but doesn't necessarily include or lead to sex And I think it's important to point out how teaching people consent and boundaries when they are venturing into and learning about kinks and fetishes is so important because there are people who will lie and say, oh, well, if I do this to you, then you have to have sex with me because that's aftercare and that's bullshit if you're not into it for sexual reasons. So that's pretty much it. Ooh, I never even thought about aftercare in a sexual way. What what's happening now? (laughs) Our minds being blown already. Top of the conversation. (laughs) Wow. I mean, first and foremost, just the fact that they're they're expanding it beyond sex, which is where the kind of the box we had it in already. (laughs) And then now, further expanding what we thought about kink. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I mean, change the the word sexual sexuality to sensual or sensuality. Just change a, a little bit of it there, and you'd be surprised. That is a, a lot more accurate because it's not always – because there are people who are asexual that engage in kink all the damn time. And there are a whole bunch of kink activities that just aren't sexual. Um, and, but it's about feeling and getting different feelings that you don't get elsewhere and um, things like that. So, yeah. Okay, so – We've, we've expanded our definition of kink. So what uh, is a fetish then? 
Go for it. Um, so a fetish is more like a specific specialty. Like one of my fetishes is um, autoerotic asphyxiation, which means that I essentially suffocate and deprive myself of breathing. And I personally do experience um, erotic arousal from it. And so it's something that I choose to do to myself when masturbating or when having sex with partners who it's been negotiated that that's something is okay for me to do. They're comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with it. And, you know, I have some partners who will let me venture into the red zone of self asphyxiation and then they we have a they tap me and then I start breathing again. Um, so a fetish is more like you have a specific not hobby but um, mm, taste for something that is unconventional. Okay. That's pretty yeah. similar to what we kind of got from our fetish definition uh, last time. Yeah, it is a specialized thing. And I, of course, foot fetish is the one that everyone seems to know. Like that is like the top fetish that's in mainstream media. We're always talking about feet and people's feet. And so it's, huh. I never thought of autoerotic asphyxiation as a fetish before. Mm. I just thought it, because I mean, that also shows up in movies and stuff, usually in awkward situations like on CSI or something, but yeah, you know what I mean? It just a certain way. It is, it is curious. I've never considered it that way before. So it's like a specialty. So like I said, so all fetishes are kink, but not all kinks are fetishes. That's still true. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, a fetish can really be looked at as like, it's, it's usually some sort of thing, activity, individual thing that people focus on that for them is itself one as uh was said unconventional but either drives them they, they get a certain charge from it or really really enjoy it but um it and in some cases people would almost say that folks who are fetishistic about something it's almost an obsession not in the out of control you know they have to have it it becomes like dangerous and addiction but it's one of those things where that is a thing that they almost have to do they feel compelled to, to try that to experience it for various reasons. It could be, and in many cases, it's, it is because of there is a certain sensation feeling they get from engaging in that or in participating in that or interacting with that very thing that gives them that charge. Like intimacy, intimacy was just saying for her, it's erotic, you know, and it can be erotic. There's a certain erotic sort of get off for it. For some people, it's just fun. For some people, again, the foot fetish, some people just like rubbing someone's feet and and they they enjoy the feeling they get while they're engaging in that particular way um so that is what makes it a fetish and many times if you get somebody who's a foot fetishist if if anybody's ever been in a relationship with somebody who's a foot fetishist you know because they cannot leave your feet alone like it's you know every interaction they are sit down let me rub your feet you know have a seat let me rub my it's just it's constantly coming up it's one of those things that they almost can't do without. So in that regard, it almost seems like an obsession or an addiction, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's out of control in order to be a fetish. So, and there are some that can get pretty bad. I mean, there's some that can, you know, lean over into the realm of actual pathological 
psychological or whatever issues, but not all of them by far. And I want to make that very clear. Kink and fetishes are not inherently bad things. Like anything else, you can take anything past the point of moderation to the point of obsession, uh, addiction, or danger. Uh, but th- they themselves, among consenting adults, are not inherently bad things. Hmm. Yep. There's levels to this. But yeah, it's, one it's, would, it's yeah, absolutely. funny. It's because, um, like I said, when we have these conversations usually about kink and fetish, they do tend to just be sexual. And mm-hmm. so trying to like interrogate the component of it that isn't sexual, trying to like wrap your mind around that is really, as someone who does not, yeah. who's not in the community, so to speak, and not a part of the kink community in the way that I think mm-hmm. it presents, you know, I mean, having, you know, I could say, I would say I've done kinky things or yeah. I'd be, you know, kinky by YouTube standards. But I, you know, I, I did say this last week that there was a point in time when I thought anal was kinky. It was kind of like, Ooh, you want to put what, where, like in the yeah. butt, <laughs> in the butt. Wow, I didn't know that y'all could do that sort of thing. I've met people that think that oral sex is kinky. They think that giving blowjobs is kinky. And and there are those of us for whom that's like, you know, breakfast. So <laughs> it's just, you know, <laughs> like sometimes. Sam was saying, there are levels to this. So, yeah, I mean, it's – but um, um, I will say this, and this is for anybody who's new into a kink journey. Everyone always thinks they're kinky until they meet somebody kinkier. And so, you know, everyone is on their own individual journey. And like Sam was saying, there are levels to this. And never, ever be surprised if you bump into somebody that is just way beyond a level you thought you'd ever get to. Because everyone starts somewhere. And some people go faster. Some people go way further. And some people go miles deeper than anybody else uh, would. So, yeah, it's um, everyone's on their own kind of level at it. Um, so I try not to make fun of people that think things are kinky that I just don't. And I try not to, uh, well, nothing really surprises me anymore. And I don't freak out at stuff anymore, but I've learned to not react powerfully. If I see something that is just a, you know, might be a bit much for me, um, doesn't happen very much often anymore, but early on it did. So, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's something to be aware of for people who are moving into a new world. You're basically discovering a new universe and you just cannot get too overwhelmed when something you were not expecting shows up in your face and blows you away. I mean, I've seen the wide eyes, jaw on the floor, holy fucking shit look so many times from newbies. Um, and in some cases it's entertaining, but uh, you just, you know, you never know. It is a wide open world. I think All what right. Zach just did there was uh, a low key flex you know, <laughs> saying <laughs> like, you know, he can't remember the last time that somebody out kinked him. In fact, he's seen that look of people being outkinged by him so many times. It's just, just casual. It's all right. You don't gotta, you don't gotta blow it up. I'll do it for you. No, I, I I've been outkinged. I just haven't freaked out when I've, you know, seen somebody do some stuff like that. But I mean, no, it's that's not a, it's not, and it doesn't bother me. This isn't a competition, so. Is isn't it though? No, no. <laughs> that's a good way to do some bad bad shit way too early. It really is because if you're a newbie and you go to a party and you see somebody doing fire play or needle play and you're like, Hey, I want to do that. It's probably not a good idea to do that the first time out. It, it's just, you know, there are certain things you probably shouldn't be doing and certainly shouldn't be trying. Um, and that's whether you are giver or receiver top or bottom, whatever, uh, in, in kink, there are certain things that you need to have some knowledge and skills and things. There are preliminaries before you just jump into shit. Now, some people are bold and will jump in head first. Um, good way to, crack your head on the bottom of the pool if you're not careful you know so mm. i have a story 
Oh, that's how to be. Good. Uh, yep, here we go. Netflix, get your money ready. We got a story to sell to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, quickly, two years ago, I fell in the shower and almost killed myself and had broken ribs and bruises and concussion. It was bad. And went to Sex Down South four hours after I fell in the shower. And then was miserable at Six Down South and did not get to partake in any of the kinky stuff fun that is to be had at Six Down South. Great. So last year, a month before Six Down South, I literally sat my ass down at the house and like was like, no, I'm not going to get hurt leading up to Six Down South this year because I have fucking to make up for that I missed out on last year with friends and partners that I only get to see at Six Down South. So last year, my little Airbnb condominium was popping. So one of my partners drove eight hours from Northern to be there. And I don't get to see that partner very often. And we've been together for two decades. And so they decide without consulting anyone hello me because they know i have the knowledge that they're going to get flogged for the first time i find out after i find them sitting in a chair like basically frozen sort of spaced out and i'm like hey like what's going on and just very calmly they were like um i just got flogged for the first time and i was like oh good okay um well how was your aftercare and they were like what and I was like, your aftercare, like you negotiated that before you got flogged, right? And they were like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So then I spent the rest of the evening basically caring for them, checking on them, and then didn't get to have like this crazy mad night full of sex with them because their mind was blown about the amount of pleasure that they received from getting flogged. And all I'm saying is do your fucking research. <laughs> Aftercare is essential for whatever you're going to venture into. And yes, you need to talk to someone. It doesn't have to be the person who provides the experience that you venture into, but it needs to be someone that you trust and you have negotiated with, even if you don't know what you need for aftercare. Starter pack, aftercare 101, something to drink, a little snack, maybe a blanket or a teddy bear, someone who cares about you to rub your shoulders something so that you can like come back to earth safely while being cared for like you need something to like ground you because it can be so pleasurable beyond anything you've ever really ever experienced but you don't know until you go through that experience if it's gonna Mm. blow your mind like you may experience something and be like "Mm, whatever didn't do it for me but if it does you you should definitely Educate yourself about what aftercare is, even if you're not sure what you need. Start with a starter pack. You need something to drink, you need something to eat, and someone that cares for you to like rub your shoulder, hold your hand, give you a foot rub, whatever, something. So it's important. <laughs> that person yeah. then watched it later and was like, oh, yeah, I should have done that. I'm like, yeah, you, I love you, but you kind of fucked off my night. But it's fine because I love you and I had sex the night before and sex the night after. But yeah, don't get flogged without negotiating aftercare somehow, some way with someone. Even if it's you and yourself and you have a backpack full of things that make you feel better. Like it doesn't have to be another person. All right. Now that was a flex. 
Yeah, right. That that sounds like a flex to me. Like that definitely sounded like a flex. Yeah, yeah. Uh. That's, that's the mild story of the night. So, <laughs> well, no. I mean, I I have some more questions about aftercare. Right? Okay. Is there is there is there before care as well as aftercare? Like how how does one negotiate a situation like that? You're like, hey, I am interested in getting flogged. What are the steps you think that you would take to do that? So hang on. You had asked, is there before care like there's after care? So if I could jump into that question first. For me, oh, yeah. before care is consent. You need to have that negotiation before you jump into that. That's how you're that's the before. Okay. It's the consent, it's the conversation, it's the checking things out. For me, um, as somebody who does various king things, whatnot, it's checking out safety measures, all that type of stuff. Um, so the before care is the negotiation of the consent. That's how you protect yourself going into it. Okay. So that's how you do that. Now, as far as the negotiation thing, and you can go back to the, uh, consent conversation I had, it's those five steps. It's that invest process. You need to go through those things, know what's going to happen, know what's going on. You know, if you're somebody new who is wanting to engage in some sort of kink scene with somebody that you've never engaged before, you have every right to interrogate the fuck out of that person. And they need to be able to at least be willing to answer questions. You know, if they give you some bullshit, like, I don't feel like answering all those questions, just lay down and let me do it. Walk the hell away. That is the biggest. That's not even one red flag. That's more red flags than the Chinese army. That is just don't fucking do it. Okay. Um, So that's the, the thing. So the negotiation is key. And I always will tell people that pay attention during your negotiations. The way that person responds is extremely important. Now, That being said, and I want to be clear here um, because I I sometimes have to do this with kink, is that when we're talking about negotiations, it's not just somebody that is going to be submitting to someone else doing something. I oftentimes, um, when I go to various kink parties, will do fire play, and I can explain it later, but it's one of those things that looks really neat, and I've seen people go, ooh, I want to do that, and then they want to jump up and lay on my table and get lit up, and I'm like, hold on, we need to have a conversation first. I need to know some things about you. I need to know, are there any, you know, flammable chemicals in your hair, a bunch of other stuff. That's me as the person who is the top protecting myself as well and making sure this person knows this is what is going to happen. This is what it should feel like. This is what it should absolutely not feel like. If something bad happens, this is what's going to go down. These are my safety measures. I have all those conversations before we even start. Everyone is vertical, clothes are on, having that conversation. That's how everybody protects themselves. Then we engage in the scene, and then I check in afterwards. But I also check in during scene as well. So it needs to be clear that the negotiation and consent giving is from both parties. It's not one towards the other. And that sometimes gets lost in the conversation. So there's that. Then there's the negotiation and the scene. And then afterwards, everybody involved has the right to aftercare. I will say that, too, as a top. We also need aftercare. People don't think about that. But you do, because look at it like this. You are engaging in something that is a very, um, it can be an extremely sensual, uh, sometimes very emotional. It is intimate, even though not necessarily sexual, because there's an exchange of energy between people. And you're going to a place that, what, quite frankly, most people don't get the chance to go to, and that you don't really do in normal, everyday, regular life out in the vanilla slash muggle world. So those intense feelings can affect both people involved. And you need an opportunity to resolve them. One of the worst experiences I ever had in kink was I was in the middle of an impact play scene where I had somebody, um, they weren't tied, they were actually basically leaning up against the wall, kind of spread eagled, and I was doing impact play with her. 
And rather than communicating with me, she, in the middle of my scene, just walked away when I was mid-swing, went in the bathroom, locked the door, and started crying. Now, the problem with that is I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if she's in there calling the cops. I don't know if we had a major injury go on. I have no idea what's happening. And it leaves me kind of hanging, not to mention fucking up the energy that I was in. Um, and so that's why I say everybody involved has the right to aftercare. You have the right to negotiate in the beginning, the before care. I like the way you mentioned that. The, the negotiation, the consent, the scene itself, and making sure everybody's on board and communication during the scene. And then you have the right to the resolution, which is the end of it, which is going to be that aftercare. Everybody involved in any kink activity has the right to all of that. Um, and so that's how you kind of go into that. That's the way I look at it anyway. I'm, I'm probably just speaking for myself, but that's what I would definitely, that's how I go about doing it. And that's what I would recommend to anybody else who's new. So when you say scene, I guess you're just referring to the, the, the play, I guess, what you're doing, that, that would be the scene, right? Like the, is it, so I kind of like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what that is. Uh, it's the activity, the because again, it's negotiated, which means it has sort of a finite um, time signature to it. So you know, it is you know beginning, um, which we said like that before. Care so there's the the the, the pre scene, the scene, and the after scene. And so yeah, it, it it's usually pretty finite. So if it's a particular activity, a particular play, um, some particular uh, thing we're going to do, whether it be fire play, whether it be rope whether it be impact play or something like that. Yes, it, it's a scene. And, um, and and that's a word you hear a lot um, in the King community is a scene. If I'm in the middle of a scene or something like that. Uh, and scenes are negotiated, you know, or rather they should be the backup. I say they have to be negotiated because a scene is an interaction. And you've heard me say it enough times before, every human interaction uh, involves consent. So yeah, they must be negotiated. All right, intimacy. I, you know... I know that, you know, Zach is our resident, you know, sadist here. So <laughs> his his job is a bit more, you know, sadisty, but that's good because I like that. So what is your <laughs> kink experience then? Like if negotiating scenes, whatever, do you present in scenes usually as a more dominant figure or a more submissive figure? Can you switch during in a scene? I don't think that's a thing, right? No, it is a thing. Switch is definitely a thing. And you you can switch, you can negotiate that. Like say there are two switches and you negotiate that, for example, you're going to start as my dom and I'm going to be your sub or your bottom or your slave, depending on what we negotiate. And then we've agreed that because we are a switch after whatever we've negotiated for you to do to me as the dom or the top, which is different from doming, but still in control of the scene. Then we decide, okay, we've done this. And now we want to just change roles and have me be the top and you be the receiver. And so I know lots of switches who are proud to say they're switches. I also know lots of subs who are not proud to say they're switches and do like to dominate, but it's like, like everyone is somewhere different on the spectrum, right? Like some people love to dominate all the time. That's all they want to do. They, they're not a subby person at all. So they never sub. Some people like to be dominated just a little bit, you know, just, just rarely, not all the time, not half the time. So for me, I find that, <laughs> There's like a little small piece of subbiness in me, but my kink partners that I have scenes with, 
are I've ne I haven't met and I'm open to it. I haven't met the Dom who makes me feel safe so that I can just be their sub. So I top my subs from the bottom and make them Dom me, but I'm still the one in control because they're not naturally dominant people, if that makes sense. Yep, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I always found that that idea fascinating, the whole topping from the bottom idea where you're still being dominated, but you're still in control of the whole thing going on. I always love that. I don't know what you call it, dynamic, yeah. Hmm, okay. I, it's, some, hmm. it's something that has to be consented to because it can be a challenge. Yeah. Um, there, you know, if someone is going to top from the bottom, they need to do so with a top who is okay with them doing that. <laughs> Um, there are some uh, tops that just are not, and you know you'll get people that are quote unquote bratty, and basically what they mean is they want to pretend like they're being submissive, but really they're bossy, you know, and whatnot, and like doing that sort of topping from the bottom thing, and they just think it's fun to irritate people who are tops, and it again it needs to be negotiated um, because you don't know what you're dealing with with certain people who may be in that. There's some people that are tops, and that's it, period, and they don't want to hear this, you know. I call myself a top, and some people take that as a ch where, okay, you call yourself a top, well, I'm going to dominate you anyway. That itself, by definition, is a consent violation, and you can't do that and be still consider yourself a consensual person, have a consensual interaction, or be in a consent culture. So the, all that stuff needs to be negotiated, even the topping from the bottom thing. Right, hmm. and I would like to point out that Zach's example is completely opposite of my example of yeah. topping from the and I don't date brats ever. It's not a thing. I don't, I don't, I like brats as friends and that's it. Because I yeah. find that brats do exactly what Zach just described by violating our negotiations and consent. I'm not okay with that. Yeah, hmm. I, I despise brats as a top and a sadist because I'm naturally a sadist. I already want to hurt people. And I don't like being around people that think it's fun to piss me off to get me to hurt them because I'm an ethical sadist as well, meaning that I have told myself and I have a personal code that I will not inflict any pain or hurt somebody from a place of anger because it's way too easy to get to a place where I can't control it. Well, if they piss me off before to get me to hit them and now I'm angry, I can't hit them. So it becomes exceedingly frustrating for me to be around people that think it's fun to poke at the sadist to get me so that I'll get angrier and want to hit them. I'm like, don't fucking do that because what you're going to do is frustrate yourself and piss me off, which is also going to frustrate me. So I despise being around brats and kink. And some people think it's playful. It's funny, whatever. Fine. I mean, I've got my own um, relationships and some of them are, um, are, are submissive and whatnot. And they may be like themselves, very assertive, you know, you know, strong individuals who can sometimes be, a little bit bossy from the bottom, but at a certain point, I don't play that shit. And they, and they know it because I can't handle that. You're pissing me off because it's entertainment thing. I just, I don't like going there, but that's because of me and my own, you know, personal things and emotional stuff. I don't deal with anger well at all. And I do get frustrated as somebody who is someone who's ethical about my sadism. Um, you don't ever want to make a sadist angry. It's just not a good idea. So, Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, some probably do want to, but it's I won't stand for it. It's not something that, for me, that's a consent violation. It's purposely making me angry because you want me to try and do something to you. That's, I already want to, so it's not necessary. Wow, that's uh, very insightful because it really makes you think that 
not all these kinks really work well together. Because, you know, you think, you know, a brat would want uh, just any old top or any old uh, dominant, but then mm. you're given the perfect example of, no, that's not, the dominant might not be into it. So you really need a, a specific kind of dom, I guess a, a brat tamer is what the term usually is. Yeah. Someone who is up for that specific type of yeah. submissive or, I don't know, fake submissive. I don't know what you call a, a brat in that. Time. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're still submissive, they're but they, top but the they want to. People, yeah. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are those out there that love that. They love brats because for them, the release, the fun part is beating the crap out of a brat. I, I don't need somebody to make me angry to want to hit them. I just, that's not, that doesn't work for me. Um, so, and I certainly don't do it in Fireplay because if I've got a, First of all, fire play, despite what it looks like, is not supposed to hurt. So if someone lays on my table wanting me to hurt them with fire, if you get hurt with fire, you literally have set yourself like you're burning. And that is very, very bad. And that is not supposed to happen in fire play, despite the look. You know, and it is it is sensual and it does involve like a lot of heat and stuff. But if you burn somebody in fire play, you fucked it up. Um, and folks don't realize that. They just see fire and somehow it's supposed to hurt. And the hurt is what turns people on. And that is absolutely wrong when it comes to fire play. But so that's one example. And it's why I say, you know, you really have to know what you're getting into before you do that. Because some people don't know that stuff. They just see, oh, cool, they're doing fire on someone's skin. And it's like, yeah, but you need to know what you're doing because you can do so much damage if you're not careful. Uh, mentally and physically, by the way. Well, yeah, that's something I wanted to ask about as well. Like the the mental component of this. Because, of course, part of the reason why you have this, you know, aftercare and uh, you know my before care like i said is you know you're putting yourself in this headspace to mm-hmm. enact the scene right so it's like an actor you know like i'm tom cruise and this is mission impossible and i am whatever his character in mission impossible is i just saw a picture of him hanging off a train that's why this is popping into my head now but <laughs> it's like this is it and so as tom cruise i have to be this character i have to be the super spy secret agent whatever doing all this stuff so I figure it's a similar sort of thing in kink where you're like, if I'm the dumb, I have to get into this space for this is what we're going to do. These are the rules I have to follow as a sub. You know, this is what we're going to do. This is how I'm supposed to react. These are the safe words we're all going to use. This is all the stuff we've negotiated and kind of keep that in mind while also being fully present in the moment. Right. Yeah. So right. a part of aftercare, like you said, they're your um, partner who got flogged and fucked his whole shit up (laughs) and yours like how how do you ensure that you are in the right mental headspace to engage in a scene like not necessarily fire play but like just any scene in general since kink is not all about sex how do you get to that space where you are in the right spot Okay, so for me, it starts with, like, my entire day. Like, being a person who is chronically ill, if I have plans to have a scene, be it privately or at a public kink event or at a semi-private kink party, if I wake up that morning and I'm in excruciating pain from arthritis, the weather outside, whatever it is, well, then I'm just going to message whoever I was going to be playing with and be like, hey, so some things have changed. And depending on how I feel, either we need to reschedule or I'm going to check in with you later and let you know. But right now, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And or 
it'll just be, I'm not feeling up to it, but I still want to attend the event. Maybe we can go together and find someone that you or I mutually trust to take my place for this one time. Like, it just depends on the circumstances. But also, like, I do have to be in the, the right mindset. Like, you know, hypothetically, it couldn't be like the day after I have surgery because one, I'm not physically up to it. And two, I'm probably going to be mentally tired as well. Um, and so it's about knowing yourself and being honest and not getting caught up in, um, what do you call it? Like other people's perceptions of, well, they think I'm going to do this. So I just have to muscle through and do it anyways, because then you're sort of harming yourself by forcing yourself to do something when you're not really in the headspace for it. And then you could possibly potentially also harm that person. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to like create um, an environment of non-trust because you didn't say, hey, I'm just not up for it today. For instance, like when I go to example swingers parties, I'm not as comfortable just walking in the door getting butt ass naked and just fucking all night long. That's not how it works for me. But I have friends who are like super, super extrovert, super, super comfortable with their sexuality. And that's them. The moment they pay their fucking fee and get their little wristband, they walk in the door and literally strip from head to toe and condoms in hand, like who's ready to fuck. Like everyone's different. But for me, I have to work myself into it. And I have to be in the headspace. I have to feel comfortable. It might take me all night. I might not get there at all. I might be at the party for the whole time and never get naked. Well, that's not true because I'm a nudist. But I might be at the party whole time and not actually touch anyone else. Like, because I never got there. So it's something you just have to be aware of. And, like, you have to really know yourself, trust yourself, and be vulnerable enough to tell other people who you are going to play with where you're at and the truth of it. Like, don't, don't lie about it. Okay. So it's a lot of, you know, self-reflection and kind of knowing who you are as a person. Gosh. Yeah. I don't, I don't think this is for me. (laughs) I don't think kick is for me. Never mind. (laughs) Let's just stop. Let's just stop now. Um, you didn't suffer under the, uh, misconception that this stuff was easy. Did you? I mean, uh, listen, it, the well, movies told me it was easy. <sighs> Clearly someone is lying, and I don't think it's the movie. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, because everything that comes out of Hollywood is the case. Uh, yeah, no, it, you know, you have to think of it like, you know, as kinky people, we do things that are outside the norm, inten- you know, intentionally, uh, that are unconventional intentionally. We tend to push the boundaries of normal intentionally. And do so in ways that can be very, very impactful physically, uh, emotionally, mentally. Um, I, you know, I, some of you all, you may or may not know this, and I'm currently in grad school and I'm studying to be a social worker and a clinical social worker. So I'm studying a bunch of theories and therapy modalities and whatnot. There are some cases where BDSM scenes and mock BDSM scenes have been used as therapeutic modalities to help people heal from trauma. You know, this stuff can have that sort of deep lasting effect. So you kind of have to 
be aware of your mindset going into something. You kind of have to, it's just like before you're going to go do an activity that's like a sport or something like that. Before you decide, I'm going to go run that marathon, you have to figure out, is your body going to be able to handle it today? You know, it's the same thing mentally and emotionally and whatnot. If you're not there, if you're drained, if you're zapped, if your brain is somewhere else and you're going to be distracted and not realize I probably should have called red before that, you know, last 10 impacts or whatever, you need to be able to know that stuff because you can do some significant damage. But it's just like when you're having a conversation before going into that stuff with somebody, if there are landmines or something that we need to know about going on ahead of time, we need to identify those things before they become a problem too late. And so it does take work. But I will say this, trust me, it is worth it. It absolutely is. If you do it the right way, you find yourself having experiences that you will never get anywhere else. In many cases, they're very, very hard to duplicate um, and that will have good impacts on you. But you have to get there. And you'll also enjoy the journey of self-discovery, too. You'd be surprised. I can't tell you how many people I've seen, wow, I didn't realize I would like rope or, wow, I didn't know I liked being tied up blindfolded ball gagged and beaten you know and it, it's you i've heard things like said just like that and you do learn a lot more about yourself plus you have an experience of endorphin releases that are really hard to get elsewhere as well and about <laughs> those endorphin releases like people really don't know or understand that when you have an endorphin release it is literally like someone injected you with drugs Like, it's scientifically proven that biologically, endorphins can be like someone drugged you, and it can send you into a state of non-consent because you didn't know you were going to feel that good, bubbly, high, floaty, and some people can pass out from feeling so good and, like, being so disoriented. Um, Some people can make decisions that they wouldn't have made otherwise, and then later not be satisfied with the decisions they made. So one, that is a reason you do your negotiations before endorphins are being released and you stick with that. Like I am a big fan of telling people don't renegotiate halfway through the scene for additional things, but definitely at any point during the scene, you can shut shit down. Mm -hmm. If you want to try something new that we didn't negotiate, it's not happening tonight. We can talk about it tomorrow and then plan it again, but we're not going to just add in some shit that we didn't discuss before I had you feeling all good and floaty and stuff. It's not happening because it's not true consent. It's almost like they're drunk and you have to be educated and know this (laughs) so that you don't fuck up and violate someone's consent because they said yes. It's kind of like I used to have this argument with a partner of mine after sex, they would be like, marry me. I'm like, that's not a question you ask someone after sex, bruh. It's not. Because when your endorphins release or are, are settle down, you're not still going to be thinking that same thing. Because sex is fun. And it will can make you say things you don't mean. <laughs> and so I have, have been to, there. I'm sorry. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, I've, 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 I've been there a couple of times, too. And I just want to add two more mind-blowing things. That's happened. I don't want to skip over them. The first one was the uh, BDSM scene as uh, treatment for trauma. Yeah. Just that idea. It's, it's like we, we, we kind of used to move on to something else, but I, I was still stuck on that in my head. And then the second one was the idea of the endorphins being so strong that it takes away consent like how alcohol or something else would. Because like I get, I understand now when I put them together, but 
I would have never even thought of that being a possibility, but it makes perfect sense now to put the, like you, you say it all at once. So just, you know, updating the mind blow calendar. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you experience things that are difficult for the body, particularly like pain, um, you know, if it's physical pain, the body does a couple of things. Number one, it automatically starts releasing dopamines, which are naturally their natural painkillers, okay, to help you kind of deal with it. That's why a prolonged pain, eventually you stop feeling it. And then when you start getting to a place where you're having heightened ex- senses and experiences, the body does release endorphins, just like strenuous exercise does it, everything else. Um, and it can very much be like being injected with a whole bunch of good feeling juice. Now, the key to it is, and this is what a lot of people in kink have figured out, particularly those who engage in pain and whatnot, is that, yeah, physiologically uh, and neurophysiologically, pain hurts. It's your body's way of communicating with you that something doesn't isn't going right. But people have learned that if you can endure that message that this hurts, this sucks long enough, eventually the rush of dopamines and endorphins afterwards, it's basically like being shot with um, – something akin to a, uh, adrenaline slash cocaine or something like that, it, it, it does feel very, very good, and you'll get a rush through your body. In many cases, it can be orgasmic. In many cases, it can cause orgasms um, and or be kind of very, very similar, which is wh- why I think in many cases it has been considered sexual because you can get to orgasm from it, even though the activities themselves aren't specifically sexual. Um, but that can happen. Uh, and yes, it can have such a profound effect, some of these activities, that um, they have been used as therapeutic modalities to help people heal from trauma. Um, it's like anytime somebody has reenacted a traumatic experience in a way that they knew was under control and got through it and were able to put themselves behind it because of that and were able to experience good feelings after it rather than the, the difficulty of the trauma at the time it happened, it can be very much a healing modality. Um, and if you are brave enough to engage my nerd brain, ask me and I'll find the, I'll pull up the research and send you the links. Um, but that is the case. And it's, it's, and it's not even a few people. There are quite a few, uh, practitioners and therapists that use this as a forms of, of therapeutic modality these days. It's interesting because I was actually going to ask you about that. And then, so the fact that you had brought it up in the conversation, I was like, Oh, Perfect. There we go. There we go. So I had I had I had seen something like that, like in an article, not from the Huffington Post, obviously. I just like you know, tell me not like Cosmo no, or something. Because... No, it wasn't in Cosmo. Something that I had read before, and because mm-hmm. um, you know, I I have done a little bit of research over the years. You know, I I've done the cheesy online tests. You know, the what what's your kink? Like you know, BDSM tests, whatever that we all do online. Um, it's like, oh yeah, you're a switch, you're this, you're that. Some of the stuff I was like, this don't make no sense. I don't understand why you would call me that. That first of all, your questions are stupid. This question is not relevant to my life. <laughs> but, uh, just like trying to explore more and learning more about sex and sexuality and sensuality and consent and all of these things that come together in beautiful packages and also enjoying being hurt. And having to unpack that and why that is. Um, so, like, we we talked about it last week, you know, the, the BDSM, the little acronym with all the little parts of it. So, we're like, okay, bondage. I'm like, yeah, I'm into bondage. That's fine. I'm totally into that. You know, degradation, oh, not so much. I don't really know what's degradation. I don't even know what's degrading me. That's not really what I'm into. It's like, you call me stupid. I'm going to be like, yeah, well, so is your mama. I'm going to punch you and it's not going to be fun. So, we're not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> He's like, yeah, so's your mom. Real, real, real fast. 
you know and just kind of like going through the letters it's like yeah sadist i'm like i'm not a sadist i don't enjoy hurting people but i do enjoy being hurt in different ways so yeah yeah i think my body has trained itself to push through pain for the most part so even like if i accidentally burn my hand on uh, the kettle, which happens all the time, because clearly I'm stupid. <laughs> I never learn. Um, it doesn't even hurt anymore. It's just like a little pleasurable zing. It's like, oh, right. Probably shouldn't have done that. Oh, okay. Well, here we are. Here we are. And uh, now you guys know too much about me. That's it. Hmm. Not too much. And um, just off task a little bit. I am a um, burn survivor. And actually, Miss, I burn my hand quite often. You're, you're actually killing the nerves. So when you burn your hand over and over again, it hurts less and less. So, um, yeah. See, yeah, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. No, I'm just like, there's just, it's, it's weird because I just don't even notice anymore. Because half the time, and how used to happen at my old job, right? The people having their tiny humans run between your legs while you're trying to pour coffee, splashing, you know, <laughs> yeah. A lot of things used to happen out in the real world for Dorona. And uh, so I just, I suffered from minor burns all the time in various parts of my body. So I just don't even notice them anymore until afterwards. And I'm like, hey, why is your hand red? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened. Good to know. Y'all need to invest in some potholders or something. Uh, mm-hmm. We were not allowed to use those things at my job. It had nothing to do with with that. Um, ah, okay, you know gotcha. what? It's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Trust me. They didn't even want us to wear gloves to do certain things. So it's okay. Um, but yes, back to what's really happening here. We're talking about <laughs> kink. We're talking about you know negotiation. So when we talk about kink, usually in the media, it's everyone's talking about BDSM. It's all about BDSM. That's the only kink that exists in the world um and then the only fetish is foot fetishes like i said there's nothing else is a fetish can't help you with that so what are some of the hmm some of the kinky things we don't talk about enough that you think we should so i like to talk about predator and prey Mm. and i like to be prey I do. I like, you know, for uh, a wolf to come up to me and growl in my ear and use their full claws and run their fingernails down the back of my neck. And I'm into that. I like to be prey. I like to be chased a little bit before I um, allow them to have their way and ravish me. Are yeah, we that's uh, into furry territory. Um, um... No, actually, that's a more of a. There's an umbrella term called primal, where oh, and it okay. it's essentially yeah. And primal is there's predator and there's prey and and um, essentially there are people who like being the hunters, who are, and it, it you can almost relay it to dom so, but it's a little bit different. It's more a little bit wild. Uh, it's not that they actually are, or rather, are dressing up like you know various types of animals, but they are sort of tapping into animalistic um, sort of instincts. And so there is chase, there is um, you know grabbing. I um, uh, a couple of years back had some friends here in Houston um, that uh, well, one person that I know who owned a bunch of property and did herself consider herself prey and had a, a partner who was very much a predator. 
And so they basically had a uh, primal hunt out one night on a full moon because she had a bunch of land. And it happened to be muddy and whatnot. And literally it was like, all right, you got a 10-minute head start. And all the prey ran. And there were certain rules, guidelines. You know, if, if you're caught, what can and can't be done, things like that. And it was literally chasing these people down through the woods, through, you know, grass and stuff like that, catching them. And then a scene would commence, throwing, grabbing them, throwing them down, tying them up, playing with them in the rain, letting them beg for things, the answer being no, stuff like that. And it was literally being less a sophisticated, you know, evolved human being and just letting go and being a little bit animalistic, um, which, if you think about it, can make a lot of sense and be a lot of fun. You know, if you've, you know, got the way to that. But there's various ways to let uh, the predator prey sort of drive, if you will, kind of play itself out. Um, but that's, yeah, so that's less furry and more uh, primal is what uh, Intimacy is talking about there. Oh, so not werewolves. Not necessarily. Yeah, uh, it can be. Yeah, yeah, not, not necessarily. All of them. Like, I'm not huge into primal play, but the times that I have gotten a little bit more primal, I'm less wolf and more bear. Um, and I have a set of bear claws, and I've been known to growl um, and whatnot. And not necessarily that I just identify like that but that's just it's one of those things that kind of comes up it's not a major sort of form of play for me but it is something that I sometimes do and that will come out in interactions with other people so I do some biting biting is a fun thing that I um, enjoy as an activity as um, I wouldn't call it a fetish but it's something that I enjoy as part of uh, kink expression I mean since he brought up biting um, I'll share I'm not one to enjoy being quote-unquote bitten um but i do like to be gently nibbled gnawed on with teeth like not the actual bite like pain but kind of like just i don't know um say you have like an old really hard dried out gummy bear and it's just real chewy or maybe like a soft taffy like, I just kind of like to be chewed on, but not so just like your skin being between teeth. A little bit, yes. But just not. And then also, I like to chew on penises and testicles. It's a thing, but I don't like the, I don't like to actually inflict pain. I just like the feeling of gnawing, chewing on them. <laughs> Jim? Oh, she deep in thought. Oh, I, man. I, <laughs> Uh-oh, I've we just never lost Jen. thought about... <laughs> that before but now i know that you and i have to talk about that off the air so <laughs> let's let's just, just let's just move on let's just let's just not look at me and let's not look at jen anymore i'm going to turn the camera off thank you you guys can continue for a while I mean, as the owner of uh testicles and a penis the the thought of you know teeth plus testicles is usually a no-no but the way she's describing it i'm like well it, i wouldn't yeah. be the worst thing in the world and i can see how it can be done without causing pain, and it, it could be a turn on. I can I can see that happening. I could imagine yeah. visualize it. Yeah, as the owner yeah, of, of of a penis and testicles, I can tell you, yeah, being bitten isn't fun. But that sort of play that feels kind of like like chewing that isn't necessarily being bitten. Yeah, it if done the right way can be phenomenal because it's another sensation that you're not used to, um, and that you probably don't get regularly or have you know. Yeah, the first time you think about it, just be you no, know, I don't want to be fucking chewed on like you know i'm not big league chew my name is zach god damn it but you know at the same time um there are various sensations that can be done the right way as long as there's no pain and the instant there's pain 
end scene. Fuck it, we're out. Uh-uh, we ain't playing that because there are certain parts of me that should never ever be in pain ever, period, end of story. So, yeah. But uh, it, it can be done. Again, it's another kind of pushing kind of a boundary. That's the, the definition, I think, in many ways of kink. Is we're pushing boundaries in order in, seek of, in search of sensation. And that's one of them. Try it at least once. Right. Not, not you, Jen. <laughs> Jen. She was about to say something when I got it. <laughs> I think Jen's mind is the one that blown this time. <laughs> I am just, I don't appreciate being attacked in this manner. Okay? That's what I will say here. Worse than I, am. I have not attacked anything. I just, I just, oh I man. Just, okay. Okay. So, intimacy, you know, you're primal and the, the gnawing. See, I just, we're going to have to talk about that off the air. I swear. So, Zach, what is, yeah, what is a kink that you think we should know more about in the mainstream? Um, Fireplay is one. Um, I would definitely say that. Um, I think um, rather more know about there's the... There, there's DNS and MNS, which are two different things. Domination, submission versus master-slave. Um, and those are complex interactions that are you know entered into and what i think people kind of understand what domination you know dom submissive means um mns is a little bit different and it tends to denote sort of a different um relationship level uh connection it tends to be a little bit more long term it doesn't have to be that's the other thing is there are certain things that when you hear ms for example someone's in an ms relationship especially if it's a 24 7 ms relationship it's kind of um that tells you certain things about that uh, but there's no hard and fast rule. MS tends to be a little bit more, I don't know what the term is, more than, I guess, committed, maybe a little bit more structured. Because DNS can literally end at the end of a scene, where MS is a little bit more than that. Um, and, you know, I currently have what you could almost call an MS relationship, although I don't like the terms master-slave, for reasons that I'm going to assume are obvious and not go into. Uh, but I do have a TPE, which is basically the same thing. And TPE stands for total power exchange. Uh, one of my partners, we, she and I exist in a total power exchange where I'm the dom and she's a submissive. And it's, you know, we've been in this relationship now for well over two years. Um, in fact, I think we're about to hit three now. I think about it. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, we're about to hit three years in November. Um, she is collared. And, you know, um, rather than calling it MS, um, and whatnot, she, you know, I she is sometimes referred to as property. She's got a name, all that other stuff. So, you know, and it's a full 24-7 type thing where she does various forms of service for me on a regular basis. She does things for me literally every day uh, and stuff like that. So, and I think that's, it's significant insofar as that it's a kink. I think that um, if you, I guarantee you that when you were reading and doing your research and Huffington Post and Cosmo, the phrase Fifty Shades of Grey came up. Um, yeah, see, the problem with that is, yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, you know, and intimacy can talk to this as well. Um, those of us who've been kinky for a long time, you know, it was kind of like our own little world. That shit came out and supposedly exposed the world of kink to soccer moms and stuff. And the reality is most, actually, I haven't met a single person in the kink community that didn't despise that. You know, because it portrayed so many things that are absolutely not true about kink and the way that many of us live and the way we are, 
that we aren't all fucked up, that not everybody in kink is suffering from some sort of past childhood trauma, and that's the reason that they're into kink. Now, a lot of people in kink have traumas. I mean, who doesn't have a childhood trauma, to be honest with you? Being born is fucking traumatic. But the reality is that not everybody that engages in kink does so because they got screwed up as a child. This is not a pathology. This is a way of living and a way of being, and it's a form of expression. So um, I think that whenever I, I – and I don't do a lot of talking to a lot of people that don't know me uh, about being in, you know, TP or being kinky because, it, you know, for me, it – I mean, I'm an actual introvert, and I am a bit of a private person. So a lot of that is – you know, I'm not going to sit here and unless I'm talking to a bunch of people who are kinky or talking like in this situation where I'm educating or something like that, I'm not going to just talk about my TP relationship. That is my life. Um, and it's one of the relationships that I'm in currently. So but I think people should know more about that and not just assume, oh, you guys, because I swear the next person that tells me, oh, that's like 50 shades of gray. I'm just going to hit them because it's not the case. And I think I was telling Jen earlier, there's a part of me as, as an educator, and I'm a person who's an educator at heart that does want people to understand more. But there's also part of me that realizes that some cases it's just not worth expending the effort. And you will wear yourself out trying to correct people's misconceptions about things. Um, it is dangerous to have misconceptions about kink. It is dangerous to make assumptions on other people based on your misconceptions. Um, so, yeah, I would say that DS, uh, MS, uh, total power exchanges, and the fact that people who are normally functioning, regular individual people that have, like, jobs and lives and mortgages and shit do engage in this stuff as a form of expression, and there's nothing wrong with them at all. It is a form of expression. Right. And I'd like to point out that I – what I – one, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is fucking garbage. Um, and if you really want to learn about kinks and fetishes, there are lots of excellent books on being kinky and fetishes that have nothing to do with that garbage ass movie or book. So that's what I have to say about that. Um, but also something that, that I see often that I don't like is people and their assumptions and their prejudgments that, oh, if a person is like super outgoing, then they must be a dominant. No, they're not correlated at all because I know some super fucking outgoing, amazingly extroverted, funny ass, highly intelligent people, men and women who are subs and slaves. And you may never know that because they're not necessarily public about what their dynamic is. And I say this as a mistress who has slaves and no one knows they're slaves except for me and them. Like literally like not even their spouses, their spouses know that we have a dynamic. Their spouses know that I'm quote unquote, their dominant. Their spouses do not know they are my slave. And in public, if you were to meet these people, because my slaves happen to be male people who identify as male, um, they're like in their life, they are men who people look up to for um, care, concern, like they're in control of their life, right? They have like these high power jobs. They're really big men that like played football and went to college, like all the accolades where people would think, oh, he's an alpha male. Okay, yeah, he is in his life. But then when they came to me, they asked for this. I didn't present this to them. And I think one of the things about Fifty Shades of Grey going public was it seemed like from before and then after like all these quote unquote slubs and subs and slaves 
came out of the woodworks like oh you're a dom will you be my dom no it doesn't work like that it it doesn't work like that like I don't even know you like we need to know each other a little bit to some degree we need to sit down and bet each other like I'm not here to just be the dominant mistress or whatever to just anyone who fits the description of my ideal um slave or sub so I'm with Zach on this like there's many different um, degrees of depth. And I have one partner who the only time they're ever a sub is literally when we are having sex. And that's their preference. That's what's good for them. Like, I'm not going to force someone to be a sub outside of whatever they're not comfortable with. Because then it's no fun for me. And I happen to be, like, a service dom. Like, I get off on what you get off on. So I'm not going to make you do something you're not into. Some subs like to be made to do shit they're not into. I'm not that person. I can't do it. I'm not going to. If you're not about it, I'm not going to ask you to do it. Like, even if you tell me, I want you to ask me to do something that I hate. I'm not that person. I can't do it. Let me help you find another Dom who gets off on that. Like, that's just not my thing. So Fifty Shades of Grey is horrible. It is one of the worst things I've ever read in my entire life. And I read it as the fan fiction it was originally on fanfiction.net. So let's just start there. Um, And it's the bane of romance. And anyone that I know, when you mention kink or romance, and you mention Fifty Shades of Grey, they want to gouge your eyeballs out. So I agree on that point. Yes. Um, Yeah. And that is true that kink dynamics tend to be more private uh with people that i've noticed if that makes sense um so you'll know someone's bi you'll know they're you know polyamorous you'll know a lot of other things and then unless you are in the know you will never find out that they are kink or you know they have that you know master slave dynamic that you mentioned before for example uh before we move on can i just address something real quick uh as, as far as one of the major problems i have with 50 shades that doesn't come up a lot if, yeah. if, if I can do that real quick, one of the biggest issues I have with Fifty Shades and its portrayal of kink as a kinkster is this: kink is not just rich white people shit. All right, it's one of the things that drives me insane. There is diversity in kink. Human beings have the capacity to be kink. Anybody can do it. It's not just some shit a bunch of white people do. It's some shit that people, white people with money, might do and whatnot, but it isn't fucking Christian Grey and his pretty little white girlfriend and whoever the fuck they decide to get a hold of and whatnot. It, there is diversity, and there's a fight within the King community to make sure that there is more representation. But, you know, I've been, there are entire groups and clubs all across the fucking nation that are made up of kinky people who are black. There is a fantastic one here in Houston um, that, that, that um, I actually missed, to be honest with you, because I've been so busy and whatnot. But they're all over the place. There are entire conferences and things that are full. I mean, hell, Intimacy was mentioned Sex Down South. Beautiful. Kinky, uh, sex positive, you know, sex workers, so many people of color who are, are, are kinky and black and whatnot there. So one of the main issues I had with when the, the Fifty Shades of Bullshit came out, and I never really watched the whole, I, I think I got forced to watch part of the first movie, never read any of that shit, I didn't care because it was a bunch of crap, but it literally, like, almost overnight, soccer moms were coming out of the woodwork, 
you know, one, all of them reading the damn book, two, all of them running to Home Depot to buy rope, which was just fucking insane, and then showing up at, at various, you know, meetings that we were going to and stuff, uh, trying to get into this thing, looking for the rich white billionaire dude. And it's like, look, some of us are, you know, kinky on a budget and whatnot, and, you know, some of us find ways to do these things, but it's not – it was another – thing that Hollywood does where it takes an idea, whitewashes the fuck out of it, and white people act like they invented some shit. You know, let's be clear. Kink as it exists today, the leather culture as it exists today, came from the gay male underground. That's where a lot of it started. That's where you saw a lot of the leather and things like that. And it has those roots and it has that history. And in many cases, the gay male leather underground also had – it wasn't the white gay male leather underground. It was the gay male leather underground. There were a bunch of people who were black gay men way back in the day, and I'm talking like as early as like the 40s, 50s, and 60s, who were um, into kink and into that leather culture that were a part of this, and their roots are there. So that's one of the ways in which the LGBTQ community has been very much aligned with the kink community because of that. So just because somebody in Hollywood got a hold of this crappy-ass fanfic thing and, and fanfic thing and made it, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, and they happen to find young, healthy, attractive, very, very skinny white people with a lot of money, you know, to do this is not – that's the, the worst fucking portrayal of kink I've ever seen. And the problem with it is – and I don't remember because, again, I didn't watch a whole lot of any of it. I just saw the first movie. I don't remember anybody that wasn't white, and I do mean not a little bit white, white in that fucking thing. And that is a damn problem. Um, it's because you would think that black people don't engage in kink. And what happens is when we don't, then we don't educate ourselves. And when I go do demos, I'm trying to talk to a group of you know black folks who are my people that I love and explain them some things about some of the demos I've done. And they have misinformation. They're sitting there in the audience drinking already, wanting to know if they can come up and set you know the person that I'm working with on my table on fire. And I'm like, if you don't sit your drunk ass down, no. And so – the, the disinformation that gets put out there because people aren't realizing or aren't paying attention and are approaching it the right way is dangerous. And that's one of the main issues I have with that, uh, to sum it all up, is that the lack of diversity and the lack of portrayal of diversity is bad, dangerous, and fucked up. And if I ever find out the number one person in, char- in charge and responsible for all that shit, we're going to have a conversation in which furniture will be moving. Okay. Zach feels very strongly about this point, and but I absolutely understand where you're coming from. <laughs> I absolutely understand where you're coming from. And that brings up another question I wanted to ask. So the, I've been seeing a bunch of um, young black people, uh, more, you know, women presenting, um, trying to get into being dominance and uh, dominating people very popular on social media right now to uh, be a dom as a young black woman. Um, I don't know much about that culture, you know, of course, like I said. So I'm just curious how is this something that is like respected or, you know, seen as something that's okay in the community as far as you know, or is it just seem like, you know, pandering and just trying to make money? Because it's a lot of it seems to be a lot of financial domination. Um, and so there's in classes on how to be a dominant and you pay a certain amount of money and then you get men to give you money and then you're dominating them. But I'm not really sure how this plays out. When you say accepted by the community, which community are you talking about? See, there's so many intersections here. Uh, say the, the kink community. Let's start there. Okay. I'll let intimacy go. She would know a little bit more about this than I would. 
Um, so it is um, accepted. And also, I later can send you some um, Instagram pages to see that are of young, black, powerful women who are um, sort of uh, becoming like sub icons in the community because they are using it as art making it visible so that it's more acceptable and known that it's not just some rich white people, skinny white people shit, like Zach mentioned from that stupid movie. (laughs) Um, And there are different types of domination. So financial domination is just one type of, of domination. And there are professional dominatrix who some accept only financial subs and then there are others who will be um much like zach's they'll be your sadistic and you go to them specifically because you want them to inflict pain or you might go to a dom who's not into sadism but is into degradation dehumanization where they you know you filthy pig and call you names and it's all about verbally um, degrading them, right? Or it could be other forms of degradation, like making them eat from a dog's bowl or whatever has been negotiated. I don't know specifically, like, how accepted financial domination is, but I see it being accepted in my kink circle. Um, and it's overwhelming to me how many people are seeking financial domination based on the messages that I get and the conversations I have with other dominant women who are not necessarily looking for or say they were professional dominants in the past and they're not now but they still have their kinky profiles so they still receive messages from people who want them to dominate them Um, so I wouldn't say it's not accepted but in my experience and knowing other doms from all over the United States, like different areas, it is one form of domination that is accepted. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, in many cases, from what I've seen, you know, the, well, now is a strange time because of COVID. And so there's a lot of people that have gone to finding ways to make money on the internet. Um, and, from sex workers, who people who were sex workers before that are trying to find ways to make money via the internet and whatnot. I'll be honest with you. I am all for all of it. Why not? I mean, by all means, make your money. In, in this day and age, as hard as it is for anybody to make a damn dollar nowadays, um, and by which I mean those of us who actually pay taxes, unlike some folks, um, it, you know, I'm all about struggle the way you want to struggle, do what you got to do, you know, because the reality is that stuff doesn't really harm someone. If someone is willing to be your be financially dominated by someone and just literally start writing checks or sending part of their paycheck to somebody else because they're getting something out of it, I, you know, we don't have to like it. I don't necessarily think there's wrong with anything like that. Um, it's acceptance or not. You'd be surprised. I have learned that there are many parts of the kink community that are very, very accepting of things that you wouldn't realize. Um, and I have realized that I'm in the room with people in a kink setting who have very, very different opinions than I do um, as far as just, you know, political things and stuff like that, and yet tend to get along and tend to be sort of understanding and, okay, there's a whole lot of tolerance that is necessary 
to be uh, in the kink community for any amount of time because there are so many different forms of expression that you it's kind of like hard to take the really the hardest line i've ever seen people take is safety um and uh safety consent you know and whatnot and making sure that people don't get harmed or hurt or like abused but other than that you tend to need to really be, because again who is to say that my thought of where the boundaries are and the boundaries that i'm pushing is any better than anyone else's and so you start realizing that you have to be a little bit more um understanding of the fact that this may not be my thing but that's their thing and they have a right to their thing as well so uh yeah but as far as you know domination financial domination social media stuff you know if by all means go ahead jen knock yourself out sign up and make that money girl i'm not mad at you (laughs) you're just like listen jen i know you're asking this just for you so go ahead and do it jen we're fine yeah i'm just gonna just throw it out there you know why not she was asking for a friend and the friend was her that's okay. <laughs> or, or tell your friend, go ahead, knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. So, all right, since we've um, given way too much airtime to that movie that y'all hate, <laughs> are there any <laughs> movies that you think better represent the King community for, you know, black people or just people in general? Just if there's any. If there's not any movies, you can also like recommend maybe a, a book or any other media you think better represents the community to you. So. I'm going to be real honest. I, I, I know of two people who have video media content that I would personally, personally vouch for that is Black people, fetish kink content that I feel is safe, sane, and consensual. And that would be by Royal Fetish Films, which is King, Noir, and Jasmine. So you should ask them about that whenever you have them on. And also, um, I met him at Sex Down South, and I see his face. And he's based out of, like, L.A. area. What is his name? Starts with an O. Jesus. I will have to come back to you with that information. Maybe you can put it, like, in the um, description when this goes public. Um, Orpheus. Orpheus Black. There we go. I was going to say, he has about Orpheus. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He has videos on YouTube that are really good content. And I've seen him in person as well. I've had um, personal conversations with him about his specialties, his knowledge, his wisdom, his philosophy. He's actually a great person and well-rounded. Like, there's a lot to know about him. But, like, as far as media, like, videos that are kink, that I feel like are safe and mirror black people. Those those are my two recommendations personally. You must be living a Zach, really interesting life to forget a name <laughs> like Orpheus. I'm just. <laughs> uh, I was to, to answer uh, Sham's original question as far as movies. No, Hollywood doesn't think black people have sex, let alone engage in anything fun or different. I mean, it. We can't get a good regular representation of the way we are, live, exist, and walk through this world, unless it's somebody from the civil rights era during February. Um, So yeah, this is me hardcore calling out filmmakers and media and whatnot, because no, we don't get a lot of representation. There will never be anything, and this is probably a good thing, like Fifty Shades of Grey for black people in kink. There will never be a portrayal of stuff like that. I mean, for crying out loud, those of us that are non-monogamous can't even get... um, Hollywood to acknowledge that people of color are also non-monogamous. Again, it's all pretty white people with money 
who live in California or something like that. So it, to, to answer your question, no, there are a bunch of educators that are really, really good that do fantastic work to talk about this stuff. Unfortunately, if you want to see people of color represented in these areas, you either have to find where these folks are online or if the COVID ever allows us to go and find them at the conferences and conventions that they teach at for a couple of reasons. One, these educators are probably in many cases struggling to get gigs as educators. And two, they do very, very good work and you will see them in more direct, intimate settings and whatnot where you can interact with them. And so that's very much worthwhile. We've mentioned it a couple of times, Sex Down South, which is put on by a phenomenal um, black uh, queer uh, sex educator in uh, the beloved Marla Stewart, Hey, boo, if you're here and listening, I love you, um, who is just amazing, uh, puts on a fantastic one that is, I would argue, a must go to, um, if at all possible. I mean, hook, crook, or bullet, if you are interested in seeing kink portrayed um, and sex positivity and various forms of education and plenty of demos as far as kink goes, uh, where black people are involved, check that out. Polly Dallas Millennium is another really good one. Um, that um, I think the virtual one is coming up sometime next month. But then, so yeah, but to answer your question, in the regular media, fuck, the regular media would rather act like we don't exist, let alone portray us in something different that we do in a way that is realistic. They probably will have heard a story and have someone tell them about it uh, and whatnot, but no, we don't get representation for things like that. Uh, We haven't gotten there yet. They'd rather show us protesting at Black Lives Matter rallies and crying over George Floyd and Breonna Taylor than, you know, having sex or engaging in kink like every other human being on the planet. So, there. My, I was going to say two cents. It's more like 50, but I'm going to leave it alone right there. All right, wait. So, definitely nothing in Hollywood. I understand that. Any books you can think of? Um, that specifically for kink or that portray black kink? I guess... Yeah. Black. Mm, black kink specifically. And I guess if there's no really good ones, I guess we can look at the other people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's good books. I'm trying I mean, intimacy helped me out here as far as authors who have written in them. And I'm to you on this. Um there are some good books about kink in general that um as a matter of fact, you give me a second, I'll find my Kindle and let you know some of the titles of them. Um, there's the new topping book and the new bottoming book by, uh, I want to say Hardy, um, or actually Das Easton. That was, is actually pretty darn good. There's a couple of others. You know what? I will talk to some people that I know and get you a list. And that way, if you need to put a list in the show notes, you can, um, I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head and it's not working. I know educators more than I do actual resources at this point. No problem. So it, yeah, it's hard being on the spot sometimes. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. So I cannot provide any book resources because they're packed away in a box and I don't know where that box is in my storage right now because I recently moved and then COVID. So it's an issue that I don't have access to my books and I'm not happy about it. Um, And I have the books because I'm a book hoarder, but I've read these books so long ago, I honestly can't recall who the publisher or the author or illustrators were, but they're not hard to find. Like literally you just go to like halfpricebooks.com or even Google or Kindle or Amazon. Not that you should spend your money with Amazon. If you can spend it with black authors, Um, maybe even put in the Google search black authors in 
quotations and then kink and um, fetish and just see what comes up is what I would say because I can't recall the books that I have, the titles or anything, but there's some really good book contents out there, even if it's not by an author of color. There are some authors who are not of color who've given some good content. Yeah, that was okay. one of the things I was going to say is that um, it may be hard to find specifically resources that are by black producers. It is good to get the information and then go find the black kink community because the community is there. You sometimes got to go looking for them, but they're there. And sometimes you may go to a mainstream or whatever you want to call it, other type of group, see one or two other black folks there and find out where do you guys hang out when you're not with these guys. Then you can go there. Many of us have had to interact with the mainstream sort of kink communities, which isn't a bad thing. Again, they tend to be more tolerant than most groups of folks that I've engaged with in, in many cases. Um, now, you will occasionally run into an asshole in those groups. That does happen. It has happened. In fact, it happened recently. Uh, by recently, I mean about a year or so ago um, here in, in, in the Houston area with a couple of local groups here because, let's just be honest, there's always some white first person out there that thinks they're going to push the limit and whatnot and then get indignant when you call them on it. So that does happen. And we have to remember whenever we're engaged in kink, these are things that can have powerful impacts on people. You may go there thinking you've got a community, you had a good time, you're having fun and whatnot. You're in, engaging in things and stuff that's pretty intimate because, like you said, it's pretty private. People will have all these other things about themselves, and you would never know that, by the way, they engage in this stuff too. You know, I mean, and for some people, it makes sense. You know, if you have a job as a teacher, you probably don't want it to be known that you spend two weekends a month getting tied up and getting the crap beat out of you or whatever the hell. I mean, so there's various reasons why people keep kinks to themselves. Not that it's anything illegal. It's just that people like to get their hackles all up over quote unquote morality, which is basically arbitrary and bullshit and just another way of shaming people into controlling their behavior. But the reality is you can get good information from these folks that have done this and it's out there. And you can also learn from people in person you know, but I would always say as a black person who's coming into kink, it's not a white thing. It is an everybody thing. Find a community, find a decent community, learn, and then start trying to find black folks to engage with. And if you notice that there's a group of black people in your area, as far as what I mean by black people in your area that are engaged in kink, but there's not a specific group, congratulations, Yahtzee, start one. Because you can do that too. Even during COVID, it can happen. So... By all means, that's my call. To, you know, if you don't find it, go go create one because the Lord knows we need more of them. Amen. Right. Amen. And there's so many ways to start your own group. Like it could be three black people. Like you could be the only three black people at a kink event with 200 people. I make a point that if I'm at a kink event, any color, any face of color that walks in the door, I don't care if I know them or not. I'm going to walk up and be like, hey, so, um. There's not that many of us who are not white here, so I make a point to introduce myself. Hi, my name's Intimacy. What's your name? Would you like to connect on social media? Like, just connecting and networking with people who look like you is very, very important. There's not enough of it, so you have to empower yourself to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, yeah, definitely. All right, so before we close out, I want to bring this to uh, current events, I guess you could call it, how do you think the kink community is dealing with the whole COVID situation and 
all the lockdowns and restrictions and so on? Um, in a word, the and by the kink community, I'm talking about just in general, uh, is hurting. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Kink in the way it is engaged in now is very, very social. It involves a lot of interacting and it involves a party, you know, getting people getting together. I mean, you meet at munches, you know, what? and munches where, you know, you have the opportunity to go and meet and interact with the people that are part of that group or whatever at a time when everyone's got, um, you know, their clothes on and it's, it's pretty vanilla and regular. So you can kind of talk and meet folks, and interact before you go to wherever the party is going to be, whether it's at somebody's house or some other location and stuff like that. Well, all that stuff got shut down. Not a lot of people are meeting en masse in coffee shops anymore. You can kind of do a munch on Zoom. That's great. But you don't do a kink party on Zoom. You don't get 30, 40, 50, 60 or more people together in a location um, to engage in kink activities. Now, the kink community can communicate and chat. But the main thing kinky people do is kink stuff. And it's been really hard to do that. The other thing is, there are some locations, some places, and this is nationwide. I happen to know this because of some of the contacts I have in various communities and with various groups. Um, there, there are some locations nationwide, some cities, that have, among their local communities, their own facilities, their own building, their own hall, their own room, or something like that. And one of the ways they keep those things functional and running is that people, when they come to have a party there, will either pay fees to rent it out or, and they'll charge admission, things like that. I mean, if you're going to have a party and you've got a space in your city that can hold 250 people, number one, nobody's having a party that big anymore. Two, you're not making that uh, door fee anymore. And so what's happening is that money isn't being paid. I cannot tell you how many cities and how many locations and how many groups I've heard of that have lost their facility. One of the worst ones, this is actually uh, uh, up in Ohio, uh, the Columbus Space, was owned by some people that I know, and they would throw parties monthly and whatnot. And based on you know a little bit of charging the fee to get in, it was a party that was a big-ass dungeon. It had all the specialized furniture. They had spanking benches. They had queening chairs. They had crosses. You name it. They had apparatuses all over the place. Well, they had to shut down. They were trying they waited a little bit, you know, during the, the beginning of COVID. They tried to put on a party, I want to say, in like July, August, and there was a big uproar because you couldn't have a function with more than 50 people. They tried to put in precautions, but how do you really know about that as far as precautions and stuff like that? There's just this fear because we are dealing with a global pandemic surrounding a communicable uh, you know, sickness and illness via a virus. It is just dangerous. And so they weren't able to do that. And as of September, they had to start closing. They sold off all of their furniture and permanently closed the space. And so now what happens is people in that community cannot use that facility anymore to engage in kink activities, let alone to have a party and get together and communicate and whatnot with various uh, uh, other people. That is happening nationwide in many cases. Unless someone completely owns the building and is not dependent on some form of income from activities to keep it open, this stuff is continuing and it's going on. The flip side of that is I know of places where people have continued to have parties, and that is a bad idea. Um, and I don't know how much... <laughs> evidence you need to understand that it is not a good idea to continue having parties but some people do it because they need the money and they need the money to keep their functions open and i get that but it's not a good idea 
to keep on throwing parties every week, every Friday night or every Saturday or whatnot, because you're trying to get the money from the door and have people during a pandemic come into an enclosed space, get out of their clothes and engaged in various things. It's just not smart. You end up becoming a super spreader and you're opening yourself up to liability issues, not to mention transmitting a fucking deadly pandemic disease. So in, in, in a nutshell, the kink community is hurting. Um, been able to communicate. There's still communication. People are still talking and, and having you know various you know, vanilla meetings and stuff. But as far as engaging, not so much. Some organizations have been able to continue educating their memberships and having you know planning meetings and stuff like that. I was uh, able to be a part of um, one that was put on by a group out of Arkansas. It's called Anomaly, where they kind of had like a weekend. It was a weekend, I think, for like they did a uh, – I think it was like a – it was a primal thing. They had um, a primal weekend. I think they called it camp or something like that. And I was able to be a, like a consent educator there and engage in that. And they did all that on Discord and whatnot. So there are ways to do it. Uh, the other thing I would point out is that one thing that people don't realize is there is a business that's being hurt that – um, is really stuck out because they won't get any help from the federal government, and that's people who make and sell um, equipment and, and you know floggers, you know paddles, stuff like that. People who make these things, these leather goods and various kink um, items, and sell them at the various conferences and conventions, their businesses are hurting. They're not making any money. One of the things that they did at um, at uh, Anomaly's camp was they had a virtual sort of um, shop or rather market or fair where they let individual vendors show off their wares if people wanted to buy them online. But these people aren't able to go to conferences. They aren't able to go to conventions. They aren't able to go to parties in person and show off their stuff and buy. I'm notorious for going to a conference or a convention and buying something, whether it be a flogger, a paddle, you name it, because there's always somebody new person that's made something that I want to buy. And these folks, you know, I don't, some of them may depend on their income. Some of them may be on the side, but that's a business that, one, for the most part, it's a cash transaction, but it's kind of under the table. You know, They are not going to get any help from the federal government because the federal government doesn't think kinky people exist, which is ironic. And um, they, they just don't have any other way of showing their wares, of meeting people, of, of getting their information out. So there are a bunch of complications, but like anything else, when you have a community, and if, if you haven't noticed yet, I'm passionate about this because I care about this community, um, it is hurting. You know, the things that we as kinky people do, which is meet, have fun, educate, demo, learn, repeat, have all been, for the most part, shut down. Um, and in many cases, indefinitely. And it's caused people to lose buildings. It's caused people to lose homes. Uh, as a side note, I know somebody who is a friend of mine here in the Houston area that was very active in the kink community and had locked down for a while during the beginning of the pandemic and then decided, you know what? I'm t I don't want to be locked down anymore and was careful and used some precautions, but then went to a kink party and it was a private party in a home, but went to a kink party and found out there were like, you know, 45, 50 other people there. She got back and the person she was staying with, her roommate basically put her out of her home because this person, they were upset about the exposure and whatnot. Um, it's just had an effect on everybody. Uh, there's fear. There's lack of understanding, and there's a total lack of money being exchanged and going around. So that is going to be the simplest way to answer that question. The kink community is hurting, um, but still open to new people. So if you can find them online virtually, by all means, do it. I was in a meeting earlier today with um, the National Leather Association Houston chapter uh, via Zoom. So it can be done. Um, these organizations are out there. They're just suffering at the moment.
like the rest of the world, by the way. So. so he basically took the words out of my mouth. He said hurting. And then at the very end, he used my word, which is suffering. We're suffering. Like we just are like, and it's not just about the money, but it's also about for some people, that's their only social outlet. Like literally one, because some people only make so much money. So they choose to go out leisurely only for kink events because otherwise they can't afford to really go out. Or if they did go do something else, then they couldn't afford to attend the kinky events. Like it's hurting people. Um, especially people who don't have like, um, uh, like interpersonal kink relationships. Like I do, I have multiple kinky partners that do certain kinks with me, but there are some people who only play at events with random people. Like that might be their kink is doing a scene with someone they don't know that they never do a scene with again. So my word is suffering. I feel like the kink community is suffering. And also, like, I think there's something to be said, but I don't really have the words to explain it. And I don't want to, like, bring our morale down. But the current state of affairs is also affecting every kinky person you know one way or another. It's just we're suffering. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what I expected to hear because... Every industry is suffering right now, but I can imagine the King community so centered on in-person interaction would not be doing great. And as you said, everyone is suffering just in their lives in general. So that combined with, you know, the direct effect of uh, COVID and everything, I can imagine. But I do like the, the fact that you mentioned, yes, they are still accepting new people. I would say this is the one of the best times to find a community, but just not to actually do anything with them. Because even us, we found a community because everyone is going online now, so we were able to connect with new people. But unfortunately, because of the time, we can't actually see anybody or interact or go to any events or anything. So, yeah. Yeah, and also, yeah. I, I mentioned my suffering to um, someone very important to me. Um, we're not exactly partners, but at some point I would love to be their partner. But um, and they were like, oh, well, you know, there are some kink events who are producing their events, not in the same place. Like no one goes to like one venue. But what they're doing is it's it's like the Poly Dallas convention that's coming up soon. That's virtual. What they've done is they've made it so that kinky um, presenters present and record pre-record their scenes in their homes and then they put a video montage together and then you pay a, a nominal fee to be able to watch the video montage and i've attended two kinky conferences on the mayo and they were excellent i mean excellent and they were kinky people i never even heard of um so i would say if you need to feed the hunger for it it can be found, much like Zach is saying. You just have to look for it. It's there. It's not hard to find. Well, yeah, that's that's it. That sounds very true and amazing. I, I mean, honestly, I'm super excited for Poly Dallas Millennium. It'll be my first time going. So it'll be fantastic. And since I am also like 
low-key going to be hosting one of the nights. <laughs> it's 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 going to be a, a whole different experience. But we definitely want to thank you guys for coming and talking to us and really diving deep outside of Cosmo <laughs> into <laughs> kink and the community and what the life is like. And I know I do this all the time, but hey, tell everyone where to find you. <laughs> Um, you can find me at Poly Free Love online. If you just search it, I'm on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, and some other sh- Oh, Tumblr. Yeah, I'm out there. You can find me. It's not a secret. It's Poly, P O L Y Free, F R E Love, L O V E. Alrighty. Zach, where can we find you on the socials? Uh, I am on Twitter and it is at black underscore sex geek. You've heard me say this before. You have to use the underscore or you get Ruby. Hey, Ruby. Love you, sis. Uh, I am on Instagram and it is, uh, at Z Invictus, I-N-V-I-C-T-U-Z. Uh, on FetLife, since we're talking about kink, I am Invictus, I-N-V-I-C-T-U-Z. Uh, those are probably the best ways to get me. I am taking a much, much needed break from the Facebook for a couple of reasons. One, for my own mental health, and two, because um, I have some thoughts about Mark Zuckerberg that I'm going to keep to myself just in case something allegedly happens. So that's probably it. My personal website, consentwarrior.com, is currently experiencing some administrative issues, but will be back up and revamped shortly. But yeah, it's consentwarrior.com is probably... Uh, I'll just go ahead and drop that that way. At some point, if you're not on it now, you will be. And I have a podcast that um, I took a brief hiatus from, and I'm in the middle now of working on some new uh, episodes and whatnot. That's a lot less about my consent educating and my uh, kink work and ethical non-monogamy and just me ranting and raving about the things that make me, as a black man in America, pissed off. It's called the Angry Black Man Podcast, and I know it can be found on Spotify and a couple other places, so... Yeah. Um, and also, my FetLife name is Texas Lady of Love. And there was something else that Zach said that I thought was worth mentioning, and I can't remember now. So never mind. It flew the away. Instagram was it? The Instagram? <laughs> no, she's probably no. love everywhere. Oh, okay. Right. It was. It was uh, after you shared your FetLife name. Oh, I, I don't know. Tell you. I got Hi. my podcast. I got, yeah. Oh, I will be at uh, Polydos Millennium. I'm one of the presenters as well. So I, you know, you can find me there. And by the way, support that. That's something else that's being put on by um, an amazing black person. Um, and that is our community. You will see us there interacting, sharing, and talking and stuff. And come learn you some things. It's some, it's, that's one of the best events <laughs> in the country that I've been to, particularly for uh, people of color and the, um, you know, queer, trans, um, other abled, neurodiverse, everybody is welcome. And it is a fantastic event. So do yourself a favor. Put that on your list as well as Sex Down South. Ruby and Marla are amazing human beings that put on fantastic work. And there are going to be some good folks there. And, hey, you might even learn something and have some fun while you're at it. And I'd like to add that I probably won't be at Poly Dallas this year for um, self-care reasons because I have a lot going on in my life and my body. Um, but as the Poly Dallas ambassador, I would like to 
emphasize that it is a conference born out of centering people of color and being inclusive to all of the intersections. Everyone is welcome, but we do not center white people. So it's a conference for everyone and all. Um, I am the ambassador and I am two-spirit, gender fluid, gender queer. I am pansexual, bisexual, demisexual. Um, I am many things and there's something for everyone at the Poly Dallas Millennium Conference. Yes, yes, see that? I can't snap, but I'm snapping. Oh, there you go, I got a one snap one. Awesome, amazing. Thanks again so much for joining us, guys. Of course, we blast this everywhere and we'll just, it was happy to have you. We're great to see you. Alrighty, take care. Thank you. Once again, we would love to thank Intimacy and Zach for kicking it with us on this episode. We, I mean, I had my mind blown quite significantly by same, some things that Intimacy same. said. I am still trying to process some new things I learned, like that whole primal, like scene he laid out and uh, the, the therapy. And uh, the, you, you heard it. You yeah. heard it. Mine's, mine's still yeah. blown over here. Aren't you happy Absolutely. that we did all the basic stuff last week so you could get, come into this week? with like a, a basic idea and now get the proper explanation of what everything is. And that's what they just did. Yeah. So it's amazing. So again, thanks again so much for them. So let me tell you guys where to find everybody. Well, you've heard where to find Zach and intimacy in the episode. Well, in the interview part anyway, and for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at monogamish pod. Find us on SoundCloud, of course soundcloud.com slash monogamish pod where we post the last three episodes you can find us on patreon please find us on patreon um this is patreon.com slash monogamish pod you can also support us through anchor anchor.fm slash monogamish pod slash support um i mean it's where we host you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher everywhere we would like you to rate and review us subscribe course push our metrics all the way to the top and you can buy merch from our website monogamishpod.com and click the little shop feature or you can go directly to monogamishpod.threadless.com so that's all i've got i put a lot of work into these show notes i hope you guys are actually reading them but (laughs) until next time i'm jen oh i'm sham and wait no Nowhere and we're not. <laughs> yes, we're waiting. We also have to thank allplayground.net. I forgot yeah, to thank yeah. them that one time. That one time. How fine. Can we fine. We can't really forget them, but you know what I mean. Forget. Yeah. Never forget. Hashtag. <laughs> never forget. Oh boy. People are gonna be mad about that. So yeah, once <laughs> again. Yes. Once again, I'm Jen. I'm Sham. And and where my what were you doing why did you wait so long why why did you wait so long i don't know what's going on anymore (laughs) Ah, okay see short and spicy